Now again, <clears throat> those are random thoughts. And you may not agree that Americans have those kinds of reputations. But we're going to look just a little bit deeper. And this will all make sense to you in a moment. So bear with me. Right now, we're going to continue our studies in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles or flat screens, I'd love for you to turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Now, before we actually read from the scriptures, I just want to remind you that Paul and Timothy wrote this letter to a group of believers in Corinth. They planted this church. They knew the church well. And it's really important for each one of us to be able to understand the context as we open up any of the scriptures. But Paul assumes that this church has a relationship with Jesus, that they just don't know about Jesus, that they literally know Jesus. Well, we also know that this church has had its issues. They have had some struggles personally and corporately. So what does Paul do? As he begins to inject them with divine truth. We know God's word is so critical. We know God's word is so important for each one of us to understand. And so Paul, he gives them truth. In spite of how they've been acting and light of who they really are. Let me stop for a moment. This is our eighth week in the study of Second Corinthians. And I'm not so sure that this book is rocking your world, but it is mine. Hasn't these truths transformed your thinking? The way that you act? I am so excited each week as I open up the scriptures, but each day as I remind myself of what Paul is saying. I have God living in me, and he is changing me from the inside so that when I walk into a room, literally I have Christ's fragrance. And I begin to mirror Jesus to others who are in that room. I'm excited that God is using a common jar of clay to draw others to himself. So that they might be able to experience life now and forever. Now throughout this letter, Paul acknowledges that the Corinthian Christians, they've been going through some hard times. But he encourages them not to give up. Paul does want them to focus on eternity. He wants them to realize, oh, this is such a small blip in the line. And think about the next trillion years. Someday soon, all those who know Jesus... They will meet Jesus and spend eternity with him, and they're going to get a bonus, some new bodies. So let's focus 
on what it means to please God. Because that's how we ended last week's lesson. And that there is so much reward in listening to God, in pleasing God, in obeying God. Today, Paul clarifies, what does pleasing God look like? But before we jump in, let me pray. Let me pray. Oh, Father, today we pray as David prayed in Psalm 18. We love you, Lord. You are our rock, our fortress, our shield, and our Savior. You give us strength and power. It's in your strength that I can overcome any enemy. At times, Lord, I feel the ropes of death have entangled me and the floods of destruction sweep over me. I'm confused by the virus by the racism, and by the lack of love for one another. We ask you to heal our land. We've been praying that a lot, not only in our service, but but it seems like every day. We ask you to draw people to yourself where they can drink the everlasting water that you offer. We pray for our leaders, our political leaders, our leaders in schools, our leaders in churches. We pray, Father, that they would honor you in their decisions. We pray for our police and first responders and all those hospital workers. We ask you, dear God, that you would give them grace as they jump into the fire so many times. We pray, Father, for justice and for peace. And ask you, dear God, that you would rise up just judges and fix a broken court system. We pray, Father, for the affirmed and the helpless and the widow and the orphan. Yet, Lord, even this weekend, this day, we thank you for our country. We know there's issues. But we are so grateful for the freedom that we get to enjoy. We know that your church is here. And we know that its impact is great. We know, Lord, that you are faithful. And that you show yourself faithful to the faithful. We know, dear God, that you will not let rebellion go unpunished. You were... Rescue the humble, and you humiliate the proud. Even now, Lord, we ask that your spirit would be so active in your church all over, all over our world, and in particular, our church. We know that you live, and we praise you, the rock of our salvation. We love you, Lord, and thank you. We thank you especially for the opportunity we get to gather in the house, in your house, and even online. May you receive honor and glory for all we do in your name, your precious name. Amen. Amen. As I said, uh, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
We're going to start reading at verse 11. If you didn't bring a Bible with, you can follow along on the screen behind me. But I'm going to have the breathe reading um, played today. So if you would, let's follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. <laughs> so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Paul continues this letter, and he says, in light of these divine truths, in, in light of what we've been talking about for the first five chapters, because we understand our responsibility, which is to please God, and our expectations, and God's specific assignment, we work hard to persuade others. Now the question's got to come to each one of you, what am I, as a child of the king, working hard to persuade others to do? The answer is found in our text. And it's persuading all peoples to come back to God. You see, all people naturally run from God. They scramble to find both meaning and fulfillment apart from God. 
But the scripture is so clear that meaning and fulfillment is found only in a rich relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus changes everything. You know, some have never taken the step of faith. But Paul is overwhelmed by the gospel and the message of the gospel. He states over and over again about how much God loves us and how much he sent his son in order to die on the cross, shed his blood, so that you and I might be reconciled. That we can have a relationship with God. And this whole message is going to say this over and over and over and over again. But I'm pretty sure everyone who walks into this building or everyone who's watching online or listening, they probably don't all have a relationship with Jesus. They probably know about Jesus. And so the message to those far from God is come back. Secondly, we also know that believers are deceived, and they try to find life apart from Jesus. Is that we listen to our culture, we listen to, well, others rather than the word. And we all feel at times we deserve a break. And as we look into that, we recognize that we try to find fulfillment from something other than Jesus. So Paul jumps right in, and he says, we believe in God's truth. God's truth is what transforms. God's truth is what's stable. The Bible is critical in our lives. And he says, Christ died for all, so everyone. And I would circle that. Everyone, everyone, everyone has a chance for abundant. That means a fulfilling life right now and for eternity to be spending time with Jesus. Not only a hundred years from now, but a trillion years from now. People don't have to stay in a treadmill. They don't have to just go from high to high to high. Anyone, anyone, anyone can be new creations. Anyone can start over. Anyone can have a fresh start. And I think Paul absolutely believes this from the core of his being because he has seen the change in his life and he has seen the change of hundreds, perhaps thousands of people that he has met. He says this, the old life is gone. Or, shall we say it a different way, it's not, you have a new master. You don't have to listen to sin. You have an option. Because every time you go the selfish route, it leads to death. But Jesus came to give life. He gave us a purpose. He gave us a reason. This is exciting. People are going to literally live for Jesus now rather than live for themselves. The focus can be different because every one of us realize that the more you live for yourself, the more dead ends there are. Again, occasional highs here and there. So the message to all To everyone, no matter what state they're in, no matter where they are in their journey, come back to God. Get your nourishment from God. Listen to God. 
Establish that relationship with God. This is all about you and God. So in light of this, it's really critical that we understand verses 18 and 19. So let's read that. Verses 18 and 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And all this, this grace and mercy, this new life, this new creation, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Having a fresh start, becoming a new creation. Paul says it's a gift. This is an act of God's grace. Because God is gracious and merciful and offering the gift of life through Jesus to anyone, to everyone. And then God says this, I've given you, you Corinthian believers. And let me just remind you, again, they weren't all listening to God all the time. They were a kind of rambunctious group. They were a group that at times you would wonder, they don't represent Jesus very well. All right? But Paul's writing to these folks, which gives me hope for me and for us. And he said this, I have given you the task of reconciling all people to myself. And it almost sounds, again, that it's our job to do the reconciling. It's not. It's, it's God doing that. But we get to be the spokespeople. It's God through Christ's sacrifice. And because of his love for us, that he is reconciling all of the world to him. Oh, we have peace with God. The relationship has been restored. And I think Paul keeps thinking way back in times of creation. When God created the heavens and the earth. When God created man and woman. And when in this garden there was an amazing relationship. That was God's desire. And it's still God's desire. Sin has, well, made a whole lot of detours. And made some advances. But God's message is there. It's one of grace. And we can have peace with God through faith. In Romans chapter 5, it's a great chapter. I encourage you to read it again, maybe sometime this afternoon or later on. Um, But in Romans chapter 5, I'm just going to read three verses for you. Verses 1, verses 10, and 11. Therefore, Paul says... Since we have been made right, we've been justified in God's sight by faith. A relationship has been reborn. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies... Some of us bristle at that word enemy. But you see, when you are running from God and you have sin in your life and you're choosing not to submit to God, 
You're not God's friend, you're God's enemy. And then he says, we certainly will be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends. We see the word rejoice in there. And especially some of those who have grown up in the church. Rejoice, like rejoice. That's supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you joyful. It's supposed to make you party. But we read that and go, so now we can, uh, I guess, bask in the wonderful truth. Or we can rejoice. We can remember again what we have been saved from. And the opportunity for an amazing future. It's all because of Jesus. And he's made us friends of God. Sin has separated us and made us God's enemy. But we can have peace. And this is the message over and over and over again. This is a wonderful message. This is good news. This changes everything for everybody. And what God says is this to the group of Corinthians. I have given you this message, the gospel, the good news to proclaim. You see, action shout. There's no doubt as you are gracious and kind and you serve others because you love Jesus. But they also want to say eventually one's going to need to open their mouths so we can share this message with others. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 20. So, in light of all this, we are Christ's ambassadors. It's kind of an old school term. We're going to look at it a little bit deeper. But, but we're God's representatives. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And then he sticks the gospel in again. The, the guy is overwhelmed by God's grace. Verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, for my sin, so that we could be made right, we could be friends, we could have a relationship, we could have peace with God through Christ. Oh, we are Christ's ambassadors. People literally form their view of God by watching us. Now, if you're following me, tracking with me, and not dozing off at the moment, you're probably going to say, that's unfair. I I don't want that responsibility. I don't want people to judge God by how I talk and how I act or how gracious I am or how forgiving I am. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't sign up for this. Well, you did. And it may seem unfair, but that's how it is. You know, today, the internet and TV has changed a whole lot, including an American's perspective, or or people all over the world of Americans. And that's why I showed those clips. Many of them don't know that from coming over into the States or living in the South or the North or the West. I mean, every one of those places give you a different perspective of people. They do. But they've watched TV and they've listened to the internet and they've watched YouTube and so on. But back in the 1950s, I think we'll get a little better picture 
If you were an ambassador to France or to Germany or to Thailand or to whatever, things were really, really different. There was a whole lot more pressure. Because if you were in Thailand and you were the ambassador, everybody in Thailand would watch you and would judge you and would think Americans are just like you. So if you're rather chubby, or if you like to party, or if you fill in the blank, it means all Americans are chubby, and all Americans like partying, and all Americans... You say, oh, that's not fair. But that was the job or the privilege of an ambassador. I'm going to go to a foreign land that knows nothing about our country, and I'm going to represent you, America. And that's even where so much of our foreign services began to change in the 50s and the 60s because of the terrible reputations that we actually had in the United States. But let me just share with you, no matter how many training ambassadors would go through, we as Christians have it so much better. Let me remind you that God has really set us up well. He has the Holy Spirit living in each one of us who know Jesus. He is using our lives and our words to make his appeal. He is chipping away the things that don't bring him honor and glory. He is using God's word to change us and to bring conviction. And that every day that we walk with him, We represent him better. I can't tell you over the years how many times I've literally gone to neighbors or those that don't know Jesus and said, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for being sarcastic. I'm sorry for not helping you out in this time. And a couple words would usually follow. I really didn't represent my God well. And then you'd hear things like, oh, pastor, because, you know, when you're a neighbor, everyone calls you pastor. They never call you whatever. Oh, you know what? We're all human and, and no problem. And I'd say, stop. I want you to know I'm sorry. And I want you to know I didn't represent my king well. And God's still working on me. Wow. We have an opportunity to plead with all people on Christ's behalf, come back to God. No matter where you are on the journey, we know that walking with God is awesome. We know that God, walking with God is life-giving. No matter what you think, please, have a relationship with God. I'm begging you. I'm pleading you. And we all do know this too, is that there's only one way back to God. God made reconciliation possible because of the perfect lamb of God that died to make imperfect people right with God. Now let me ask you to let this all sink in. Please, think about this. We are God's representatives. As soon as we walk out, well, actually even right here, 
We are God's representatives at Grant High School. We're God's representative in the hospital that we work in. We're God's representative in the household that we live in. We are. And this is God's divine plan. Now, now let me stop there. This is not, well, well I, I, I think maybe this will be good. No, this is God's literal plan. He's saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to work in you, Rick, and I'm going to work in every one of you. And I'm going to send you out because you've got relationships with people that certain ones don't have. And I want you to understand that you're going to be my representative and you're going to go into these areas and you're going to plead with people, persuade, work hard with people. Hey, come back to God. You'll find life. You'll find eternity. We all have experienced God if you've come to faith. And we get to make the appeal on his behalf. But the truth is, the gospel, well, that might not seem so exciting. And we forget how life-transforming it was. And we forget how much of a priority it used to be. And we've gotten casual. We've gotten to a place where You know what? Christmas story? Easter? I've heard that before. It's not so important. (laughs) It actually is pretty important. It really is. And I think that's one of the greatest reasons that every one of us have an opportunity as we lead people to Jesus or as we hang out with people who are newly redeemed. You love how their eyes dance. You love how they open up the scripture and say, whoa, look at this. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And and you're trying to contain the joy too. You know, like, wow, I've heard that for about 50 years. (laughs) No, that is amazing. Why would God do that? Oh, this is so cool. And that's what happens. Is sometimes... All this truth, all this stuff, we forget. We forget the blessings. We forget all that God has done. But I think there's a few reasons why we may hesitate pleading with people. And I know I'm going to be treading on thin ice here, but but allow me to do this, would you? First of all, Some of us, we hesitate, we don't really proclaim, we don't really share how wonderful God is, is because we actually don't think the good news is all that great, and we forgot its impact. I think another reason is, is that we're selfish, and we actually like comfort. Because if you share good news and someone responds to the good news, then you need to walk with them. And disciple them and encourage them. And that means you've got to make some different priorities and maybe you don't want to do that. I think some of us don't proclaim the good news because we forgot the depth of salvation. It's not just about fire insurance. It isn't. It's about you walking every single day not underneath the tyranny of the master of sin. 
That is so unbelievable, life-giving. And what about eternity for trillions and trillions and trillions of years? I think some of us casually think about the Holy Spirit living in us. And we don't care about sin, so we kind of treat sin casually. And as a result of that, the Holy Spirit really can't work in us, and we can't take advantage of the Holy Spirit. I think some believers just really don't love their neighbors. They don't. And they don't really trust God, or they feel God will do it a different way, which maybe he will. Some of us might just say this, I'm not wired that way. You know what, Rick? You have to get the gab. Everywhere you go. I don't know if I have a gift. And perhaps I should talk less. But I know this. Is that when there's something real in you, you like to talk about it. Some of us say, you know, I've done that before and no one really listens. I just want to say this, is that just because I had a bad experience with food, I just want you to know I'm all about food. Okay? I still enjoy it. So I I understand, you know, maybe I may not like certain cuisine, like, never mind. Hey, maybe some of us have had some bad experiences. Okay. Hey, I shared the gospel and I lost a job. I shared the gospel and those folks don't invite me to their parties anymore. I shared the gospel and maybe, maybe some of us just don't believe in hell. And that those that don't know Jesus are going to be spending trillions of years in a lake of fire. Maybe we just really don't have a good relationship with God and our perspective of God stinks. Maybe we don't understand God's love and how much he wants that message to go out and how much he he has, how important it is that we are the ones who are the heralds. I think really some of us just focus more on today than the next trillion years. Let me just keep walking here. One more question. What have you been passionate about lately? Have you talked more about COVID, politics, the loss of religious freedom, the end of the world, or maybe the potential baseball season than you have about Jesus and how gracious and wonderful and life-giving he is and how he gives us purpose and hope. And oh, I want you to come back to God. I want you to know God. Oh, I want you to have what I have. Let me try to go just a little different direction. Let's just pretend in a world, a fake world, that you thought money was important and that you believed our security depended on our bank account. Now, I don't think really any of you believe that, but but maybe let's just pretend 
But what makes it even better in my scenario is that you know the future. So you believe a bank account is critical to have for happiness. And you know the future. Well, what I would say is this. If you did know that, and that was the way you thought, you probably should have been an Apple ambassador. But even better yet, an Amazon ambassador. Let me give you this. If you made a $1,000 investment in Apple in 1980, that investment would be worth $651,000 right now. A thousand bucks. Now, Amazon, now I don't want you to get too excited, okay? But Amazon, if you made a thousand dollar investment in Amazon in 1997, that's not too far back. Just a thousand. It would be worth $1.58 million today. <laughs> oh my word. Can you imagine? You know the future. You know money's important. You're meeting with your family, your loved ones. Hey, there's this organization or this business. It's called Amazon. You're going to go on the internet. Internet? Yeah, it's something we're all going to have access to. You're going to be able to order books at first, but then you can order anything. You order food. You can order, and you just name it. If you put a thousand bucks in this, I'm telling you, you're going to be unbelievable grateful to me in 2020. Oh man, I need that thousand bucks, Rick. I mean, like, how am I going to, you know, and we start looking at this. And my guess is you probably needed the thousand bucks. But could you have imagined having $1.58 million in your bank account right now because you put a thousand bucks in in 1997? In other words, what I would say is, if you really believe this and you really knew the future, you would beg people, would you listen to me? I know this sounds crazy. No one's going to be able to order stuff over the internet. No, please, hear me. Listen to me. This is going to benefit you. Do you understand? In 2020, it's going to blow your mind away. You're going to drive every UPS driver crazy because of Amazon. Folks, let me just say this. We know what is important, and that is a relationship with Jesus. And we know the future. We do. We know the future. All I'm saying is this. Let's plead with others. You'll never regret it. These words convict and energize me personally. They do. Because first of all, God's confidence in an ordinary clay jar named Rick. I was thinking through this week. I don't deserve to be called the son of God. I certainly don't deserve to be a pastor. And God, you, thank you. You've You've graced me. And you've given me an assignment so I get to tell others. And then you know what? I'm going to spend eternity with you. Oh, that's cool, God. Ultimately, I know that people coming in the kingdom is in God's hands. But realistically, we get the opportunity to plead, to, to work hard 
to persuade is the way Paul said it. Let me wrap up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, what I'd like to, to do is, remember this is a letter. I remind you, it's not written in chapters and verses. And Paul, I think, kind of, well, summarizes his thought in these verses. And he says this, as God's partners, we beg you, we beg you, we beg you, we plead with you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I helped you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Please, 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 I beg you, don't accept God's marvelous gift of kindness and then ignore it. Don't accept his gift of reconciliation, his gift of salvation, and then just say, that was just for me. Please don't accept the gift of being God's spokesman. This is God's grace that you get to join him in his work. He says, today is the day of salvation. You responded. You know what it means. You have security. Maybe you need to write letters. Maybe you need to make phone calls. Maybe you don't have access to as many people as you used to before COVID. Or maybe you do. But maybe there needs to be a list. I got to call up. I got to write a letter. I got to let people know my God saves. My God saves. You know, the directive seems clear. And I'm going to close with this. We all are ambassadors of Christ. Just, just so you know. You don't even have to sign up for it. But the question comes, what kind of ambassador are you going to be? That's all. You all are ambassadors of Christ if you're part of God's family. So are you walking in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to change you so that you represent Him well wherever you go? and can talk about them? Or are you a rather self-centered, poor ambassador, just really caring about yourself and not loving others well? Let me pray before we continue our worship. Father, I thank you for the challenge. I thank you for your confidence in us I thank you for the changed lives, my changed lives, and the lives that are changing around me because of the good news and the gospel. We pray, dear God, that you would give us energy to represent you well all the time. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.